Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Vredestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Hey, what's up, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast, back at it again. Recording this on a Valentine's Day. Uh, I'm sure you're getting ready for it, or just actually you just had it, because you're listening to this on Friday or, or the weekend. Hopefully you guys had a good week. Kind of mellow time right now, not that much going on. Uh, but we'll get through it. The Combine's right around the corner. And, I mean, a big trade happened yesterday. I'm going to dive right into that. Joe Flacco goes to the Denver Broncos. Where that leaves the Ravens. Kind of some thoughts on this never-ending drama that Antonio Brown, and listen, as someone that uses Twitter for their business, and it's literally, since I've been in the media, helped me get financially, take big steps, I just don't agree in his stance what he's doing. It really doesn't make any sense. And then we'll get into the Middlecoff mailbag. You can always, I, we'll do a big Middlecoff mailbag. I got a bunch of questions. Uh, and at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Fire me a DM. They're wide open. Same thing as my Twitter handle. You can just fly up in the DMs. They're always wide open. Ask me anything. College, pro, personal, I don't care. And I'll answer it on this show. Uh, but let's start with John Elway and Joe Flacco. My first reaction when I saw Adam Schefter's tweet was gross. That is disgusting. I, I can't believe he just did that. I have been someone that has supported John Elway as a general manager. His career speaks for itself, right? One of the top five quarterbacks ever. 
He actually had a pretty dominant and lucrative business career, owned a bunch of car dealerships, became a multimillionaire after he was done playing. He might have been doing that while he was playing. Stanford guy, he's really sharp. I've always admired John Elway. And then he became a GM, and one of his first moves was get rid of Tim Tebow, kind of this circus that surrounded him, even though he had just won a playoff game. He goes and lands Peyton Manning. And I think we forget, like, that was a pretty intense, you know, kind of coup for them. Think Harbaugh, remember, was sneaky into it. Jim Harbaugh, the Arizona Cardinals, who actually had a decent team then. Tennessee Titans were, like, offering him ownership. And he got him. And then it changed the franchise for four years. And whenever you get good in football, I I think people crush general managers when they have bad years drafting. It is so hard to draft in the late 20s. Usually means you're good, right? Because you're going to the playoffs. And then you're picking at the end of the rounds. Well, what happens at the end of the rounds? Most of the good players are gone. It'd be like, if you're listening to this and you hire people, if you if you interviewed 15 people and you wanted to, and the first 10 get people you wanted to hire were all off the board and you had to pick with one of the last five, it's not easy. You, you might end up with some shitty employees. It's just, you know, it's just a numbers game. And then last year, when the team was bad, he crushed his draft. It was awesome. Hell, his undrafted free agent, I think, became the first undrafted free agent uh, running back to ever make a uh, Pro Bowl, Philip Lindsay. But he has a major problem. He can't figure out the quarterback, which is kind of ironic. John Elway is a quarterback. But ever since Peyton Manning, it's been Paxton Lynch. I actually kind of like Trevor Simeon as a backup, seventh rounder or whatever he was. Last year, Case Keenum, which I, I understood, whatever, a little Band-Aid. But you can't go, like, once you get a hole in your boat and then another one pops up, you can't just keep putting Silly Putty in it. Like, eventually, your boat's going to sink. He basically just got a better version of Case Keenum. Now, Joe Flacco's career, much better player. But this is 2019. This isn't, he won a Super Bowl, 2012. It was a 2012 season. The Super Bowl happened in 2013. That's a long time ago. I think sometimes we talk about some early parts of this decade, like they were last year. We're almost in 2020. I mean, we are a long way removed from that Super Bowl year. The last four years, I have it down. He's 64 and 46 touchdown to interception ratio. But the last three, if you subtract this season where he played early on and then he got benched and Lamar came in, he kind of got hurt. He's 52 and 40 touchdown to interception ratio. It's basically a one-to-one. Now, I, I get like, He's just a better version of Case Keenum. But I'm not into the whole Band-Aid situation when your team's not good. I like Vic Fangio. He's the best defensive coordinator arguably in the NFL beside Bill Belichick. But he's not a head coach. It's just that simple. And I get Elway. You know, you often do this and you always see this in sports. It probably happens everywhere in life. When you hire someone and he's one way, either a hard ass or a softy. Whenever you replace that guy, you always go the opposite. So last time he went Vance Joseph, who had no business being a head coach. Again, that's on John Elway. He's the guy hiring him. So what does he do this time? Hire like a lifetime coordinator with 50 times the experience who's been passed up for 10 head coaching jobs because he's not a head coach. Just a gruff, tough, you know, and and I get it. He really wanted Fangio because the best element of his team is his defense. But you can't just hire a coordinator to put him as your coordinator. So you had to hire him as your head coach. I think the whole thing is a disaster. And last year was the first time. I I remember hearing the stat during the fall 
uh, it was like the first time in 30 or 35 years that they had missed the playoffs in back-to-back years. The, the Broncos are a high-level franchise. And I think John Elway is a high-level guy. But for whatever reason, at this position, subtract Peyton Manning, he can't figure it out. Now, ultimately, this should not stop him from drafting a guy. And free agency comes before the draft, so you have to be aggressive. And that's probably what he'd tell you. I don't know where we're drafting at 10. Uh, I don't know who's going to fall to me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to trade up. I just don't know. So you always want to have somewhat of a contingency plan through trades or free agency just because if you're not drafting one, you don't control the draft. And there have been a lot of rumors that he likes Drew Locke. I'm not a huge fan, uh, but you, you see how he could double down. If he were to miss on a quarterback that he drafts in the first or second round and Flacco's terrible, the, the Broncos could spiral out of control. The people that should have been the most happy yesterday, Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, we got to play Joe Flacco? <laughs> I mean, what? are you kidding me? It's... The Chiefs are, I, I haven't looked yet on the odds. To me, they're a lock to win the AFC West next year. A lock. Because the AFC West is terrible. It's got the Chiefs, who are elite. I mean, one of the best two or three teams in the league. Chargers, who are an awesome regular season team. Don't really trust them in the playoffs. You have the Raiders that are a borderline minor league team. And then you have the Broncos that I, I just don't really know if they know what they're doing. They just... Two years ago, when I saw that John Elway said after the season, he had to sleep on it. The night before the last game of the season, in Vance Joseph's first year as head coach, if he was going to fire him or not. And he kept him. I said, John, if you have to think about it, I mean, get what are you doing? How did you keep him? Just, just you know, bite the bullet. So some cost, just cut him. And he didn't. And, and it set their franchise back another year. And then this year, he reacted so strongly to how inexperienced Vance was to go overboard in a lifetime coordinator, and now they find themselves in no man's land. With Joe Flacco, that has been about as meh as any quarterback in the league for the last five or six years, who has been one of the more overpaid players in the National Football League, and who just isn't very good. And the Broncos are a high-level franchise. Their history speaks for itself. Their fans have high standards. But I'd be all over them winning like five or six games this year. I I think it's going to be ugly. Okay, let's let's look at the other side of this trade. The Baltimore Ravens. I said after the playoff game, when it became kind of clear that John Harbaugh, even though the Ravens had tweeted out late in the fall that he was going to be their coach, but they hadn't worked on a new contract, I had an idea for John Harbaugh. I would leave. Simply because their best asset excuse me, the most important asset on any any team, I don't think he's a great asset, but the Ravens' asset was Lamar Jackson. I don't think you can win with a guy like that. If I was John John Harbaugh, I would have jumped ship to the Dolphins, to the Broncos, wherever. Someone would have paid him a lot of money. He ended up getting a lot of money for the Ravens and stayed. I, I get it. He feels loyalty there. He likes the owner. You know, he's comfortable. Also, cash, money talk, shit walks. He got paid. But I, I don't think what he has now is a sustainable way to win. In 2019, it's probably always been this way, but with the given rules that we have now, if your quarterback can't complete balls, you have no chance to win in the NFL. It's like, if you have a business right now, and you can't deliver on the internet, 
Like, if you can't deliver it to my house, you're probably in trouble, right? It's just nature of the beast. If I want a shirt, if I want uh, Apple, if I want dinner, if I want shoes, if I want a computer, if I want TVs, everything I want, er everything possible. And whether this is good or bad for society, it's just the way it is. can be delivered to my front door. If you can't have a pastor right now that's probably with ease in the low 60s, you're in trouble. Lamar Jackson wasn't accurate in college. He clearly wasn't accurate his first year with the Ravens, well under 60%. I'll give him somewhat of a pass. Playoff games are hard, but he was well under 50% in that game. It was an abomination. And I think it was somewhat of a microcosm of what his entire career has always been. He just struggles to do basic passes. I'm talking basic passes. I know this guy has become pretty polarizing over the years. Colin Kaepernick, I actually experienced it. I didn't helicopter in at the end and make it a social justice warrior topic. It's simply Colin Kaepernick, who, and I'm not even comparing him to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson will never be as good as Colin Kaepernick was. Was not a consistent thrower of the football. He actually wasn't that accurate. Like, if you just watched him, you, you can nitpick stats all you want. I watched him. He struggled throwing the wheel route, basic out routes. But he could hit just extraordinary plays. He could hit like a 70-yard bomb. Or he'd hit like this 30-yard just rope. And you would forget about just the basic layup passes. My guy Daniel Jeremiah at the NFL Network always calls it layup passes. Like just a basic wheel route. You know, just a basic five-yard out route. You have to be in the in the NFL, you have to be able to hit that in your sleep. It's like in the NBA. If I give a good player a 20-foot jumper, he, he's gonna it uncovered, he's gonna hit it, he should hit it like 90% of the time. If I give Drew Brees a basic out route, he should hit that like 95% of the time. Lamar Jackson can't and doesn't. So I, I get that they changed their entire offense and they went, you know, basically ran the option with Lamar Jackson, and you can do that in a short period of time. The 49ers actually did that with Colin Kaepernick. A, a little, they, they were a little more expansive because they still had Vernon Davis and Crabtree. The, the Ravens actually have Crabtree too, but they had some more weapons. But they were a run-heavy team, and Kaepernick ran a lot, just like Lamar Jackson ran a lot. And they had Frank Gore. The Ravens need better running backs. But it's not a sustainable thing. And when they attempted to spread everyone out, J- Jim Harbaugh's last year, he couldn't do it. Not only could he, he I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a disaster. The next year with Tom Sula, the Arizona Cardinals, people forget this. I don't, though. I, I never forget. Tony Jefferson and the Honey Badger, who were on the Cardinals at the time, both, one of them before the game and one of them after, he ended up throwing four picks in the game and two were pick sixes, were openly making fun of him as a passer. Now, no one would ever say that now because you wouldn't get any retweets on Twitter, but that did happen. I was I actually had a radio show. I played the sound. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. And Lamar Jackson's kind of similar. No one in the NFL is going to fear this guy as a passer. And if I don't fear you as a passer and you're a quarterback, you can't sustain winning. You can band-aid winning a little bit like they did last year because they had an excellent defense. They had this run game that no one else was doing because they were basically just running the option with Lamar Jackson, the running backs. They're not going to be able to do that in 2019. They're going to have to expand. And I don't think they're going to be able to expand. And here's the problem. John Harbaugh is a special teams coach at his heart. Like, that's who he... He's not an offensive guy. He's gone through like 10 offensive coordinators since he's been with the Ravens. He knows nothing about offense. 
So what's he going to bring to the table? You're paying this guy $10, $11 million, and he can't really even help the most important guy on your team. And that's Lamar Jackson. I think the Ravens, like the Broncos, I mean, it's going to be different, and it'll look different, but I think they're screwed too. <laughs> so you get, you get rid of Flacco, and everyone's ripping the Broncos, including myself. I thought it was pretty stupid. But it's not like I think the Ravens are any better off. I, I, if they were a stock, I'd short the hell out of them for the next several years. I got disaster written on. Maybe not disaster because they do play elite defense. Like they're going to be good on defense. But the, the, the playoffs, kiss the playoffs, as Jim Moore Sr. would say, bye-bye. They ain't making the playoffs anymore. Now, they, they, they'll be competitive because they can run the ball and play defense. But at the end of the day, against good teams, as you saw against the Chargers, you have to make some passes. Like, when it's third and seven, you can't run the ball. Hey, guys, can you complete a pass? Lamar Jackson can't. So, ultimately, John Harbaugh, you made your bed. Now you got to lay in it and have fun not making the playoffs. Let me tell you about my friends at Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge you up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge anything. So you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started. So you can start investing at any level. That simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place trades in just four taps on your smartphone. You can view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notification for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of my podcast a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Just sign up at middlecoff.robinhood.com. That's middlecoff, M-I-D-D-L-E-K-A-U-F, dot robinhood.com. Okay, uh, let's, let's get into the wide receivers couple of wide receiver stories this week. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. reported, I don't know if it was necessarily reported, but Jay Glazer said that he he could see him being traded this summer or this spring, which I, I, I could too. But let's start with Antonio Brown, the social media star, who had one of the great tweets I've ever seen. I was at the gym getting my pump on. Uh, can't push that much weight around. And, you know, like most millennials, check my phone between sets. And I look down, you know, between my 120 pump. And uh, that's on the shoulder press. So it's really not that much. And I see, thank you, Steeler Nation, for a big nine years. Time to move forward. Peace emoji. Hashtag new demands. I was like, damn, they cut Antonio Brown? And he had this sweet video uh, that I don't know if he self-edited or he had his people self-edit. I mean, it was just him making play after play. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. They really just cut him or they trade him? And I go to Schefter's Twitter page, and I don't see anything. And I keep refreshing. I'm like, what is going on? And then Schefter tweets out probably 20 minutes later, like, yeah, nothing happened. He just said goodbye. But the, the NFL is not the NBA. Antonio Brown does, is not in control of this. He was last week, and I follow him on social media because he has a funny follow. He has his mustache. You know, he has like a beard, but he, he uh, dyed the, the mustache part blonde. It was pretty funny. Uh, I don't know if he's the sharpest tool in the shed, but he, he entertains me. 
And uh, I, I saw last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, right after the Super Bowl, he was hanging out with the clutch guys, LeBron James camp, that is just the hashtag player empowerment, player movement. So I can imagine they said, you know what, Antonio? You know the way we do in our league? We tell the owners, you're going to take it. Bend over. Here we come. We want this. He's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do to the Steelers. Go, go to social media. Tweet. So he tweeted this. And, and we're, you know, we're four days later. Uh, Friday, nothing's happened. Like, Antonio, two things. One, you're not in control of this situation. And I am. I think Antonio Brown is as remarkable a player as there is in the NFL. I mean, he is dominant. He is uncoverable. I, I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. He had 15 touchdowns last year. He's on like a five-year streak of just dominance. And, and if you follow him on Instagram, he tweets out the, all these accolades, right? He's like one of three other players in NFL history to have 400-catch, 10-touchdown seasons. It's like him, Marvin Harrison, Brandon Marshall. Jerry Rice only had three. He's got four. So it's just, he's incredible. I'm not diminishing his skills. But he's clearly a pain in the ass. He's clearly, I mean, he puts a capital D in Diva. Uh, and he's living in an ulterior universe. Like, who, who is advising him here? Because, Antonio, if you do want to be traded and keep this contract, which is pretty lucrative, like, th- this is probably not the way to handle it. I-, I get probably LeBron's guys told you, like, you take control of your life. In the NFL, they pay you a premium and they kind of control you. That's just the way it is. And you know what? Most NFL players that are good when they're highly paid are pretty happy. Like, I, I, I'm i not quite sure what happened. Maybe Antonio Brown hates Ben, which I, you know, I, I wouldn't totally blame him. I, I would imagine Ben is probably not the most uh, fun teammate to be around, you know, 24-7 when you're a wide receiver. But I, I would, Ben might clap back and say, Listen, I, even if I am an a-hole or tough to deal with or whatever, I throw him the ball all the time. So, like, what is he bitching about? I feed him the rock consistently. Like, you know, that's all I do. I, I look for 84 first and often and then again later. Like, he, he's my number one target by a mile these last five years. But it does feel a little unrepairable. But he's not helping his cause here because now the whole league is like they look at Antonio Brown like he's crazy because the Steelers they're going to get the benefit of the doubt they've been a normal organization they've been a a stable organization they've handled every single type of player for years so when Antonio it kind of feels like Antonio's the loon here like he's the nut job when in fairness to Antonio now I don't necessarily think this is the case it might be it might be Ben and the offensive coordinator and Tomlin it might be on them. But right now, it feels like he's the crazy one. Now, the great part about pro sports and probably most businesses, when you're that good, people look past it. And no one truly cares. So someone is going to trade for him. But I don't think they're going to trade a lot for him. Now, maybe he's intentionally trying to ruin the Steelers' trade value. I don't know if he's quite that intelligent. And his camp quite is thinking like that. I just think they're very emotional. Uh, I think they're very aggressive about this. And I I think that they are, I don't really know if they know what they're doing. They just want out and they're attacking this, but that's not really the way the NFL works. And and thank God. And I say this all the time. Uh, Like it's, I I make fun of LeBron and stuff on social media. 
But the NBA is what it is. Like, you, you do have to kind of kiss LeBron's ass. You know, you do have to do what Kevin Durant wants. It's, it's the way the NBA's always been. But in the NFL, like, as fans of whatever team that you're listening of, whether you're a Bengal fan, whether you're a Giants fan, whether you're a Seattle fan, it benefits you that your team's in control. They can get rid of guys when they're bad. It's not like most teams, most teams are not John Gruden. They're not getting rid of Khalil Mack. They get rid of bad players and bad contracts. And when the guys are good and they become free agent, they got this thing called the franchise tag. So we all benefit. Whatever fan of a team, that's why so many teams every year make the playoffs. Because teams are in the control. If players were in control in the NFL, it would be a mess. And as fans who really pay for the entire league, not really, I mean, they do, just that's the way the business model works, uh, you, you benefit. We all benefit. But th- this has kind of jumped the shark a little bit. Antonio Brown officially did jump the shark. There was a good article on The Athletic about a guy that covers uh, the Steelers who, I forget his name, but his his take was basically like, Antonio, the first three or four years was great. Easy to talk to. Was this very normal? Clearly, I mean, he was a six-round pick. He came out actually early, uh, was under the radar those first couple years because they had Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, and then all of a sudden, he became A.B., and he's become this persona the last four or five years, and he's living in his own little world. Like, he's operating like an NBA star. But the problem is, and again... The NFL controls you. The coaching staff controls you. Hell, your quarterback kind of controls you. Now, again, I I do side with him. I wouldn't want Ben bossing me around either. But, I mean, check Ben's resume. It's a little better than Antonio's. So, I, I think it's just a disaster. I don't know. They're not going to get much for him. Whatever he gets traded for, my guess would be it's not equivalent to what he is as a player. Just because in a vacuum as a player... He's the best wide receiver in the league. He's worth, you know, first-round pick. I, I, don't be shocked when they, like, end up getting a third-round pick. And then Odell Beckham Jr. I think they were uneasy about signing Odell Beckham Jr. last year, but he was such a star on a team that sucked in a market that's that powerful as New York. They had no choice. Like, they kind of just, they had to keep him. They had to pay him. Uh, it was It's one of the rare times in the NFL where you're just kind of screwed. You know, the, the player kind of has you, you know, by the balls, basically. Like, he Odell was in control, and he got paid. Well, now they got Saquon Barkley. And I don't think Saquon is quite, when I say sexy, I don't mean, like, looking. I just mean, you know, just the star power. Like, Odell is a star, an absolute superstar. Now, his, if you check it out, his NFL.com page probably doesn't quite equal the hype. Though, no one disputes when he's on the field and he's playing well, he's dominant. And then the hair, the whole persona, the craziness, he's just a star. Saquon, I don't even even know if I've ever heard him talk, but on the field just dominates. And he is a superstar for them. So they have somewhat of the equity now that if they wanted to move on from Odell, and I've said I would trade for the Niners, for example. I would trade the Niners' second-round pick, which is 36, and next year's one for Odell Beckham. I would not do that for Antonio Brown. I I think Odell's almost five years or four years younger than Antonio Brown. So there's a huge age factor in it for me. And I think most of the NFL will look at it like that. He's just way younger, even though he's been banged up. And health is a concern. But age does matter in the NFL. And Antonio Brown is, is 31 years old. Now, you can play, and I think his style is going to be able to translate for several more years at a high level. But... If I'm going to take two divas, 
I'm just going to side probably with the younger one. And I, Odell has kind of got along, it feels like, a little better than Antonio. Again, we're nitpicking, you know, pains in the butt here. But I, I would side with Odell if I had to pick one for a franchise just because I think I just always lean with the younger guy. And here's the other thing. Odell was a blue chipper coming out of college. He was a top 15 pick. Everyone in the NFL I knew loved him. Who didn't? I mean, he was an elite prospect. Antonio wasn't. He was a late bloomer. Now, he, he, you know, hit the scene and basically became a Hall of Famer. But, you go, I think there are going to be way more people in the NFL that look at Odell Beckham that it does feel has been a kind of low-key for the last couple of months, unlike Antonio Brown. If he does become available, much more willing to sacrifice and spend draft capital, which it, it won't be cheap to get o- Odell, but I do think he can be had. Obviously, Antonio Brown can be had, but I don't know how many teams want to have him for a high price. Now, every team in the league would take him for like a third rounder, but do you want to give like a future one and maybe a high two? I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, and that doesn't mean he's not worth that on the field. But it's not just on the field. It's about 365, dealing with him every day. Well, he like my quarterback. And I, I take my chances with Odell Beckham Jr. As crazy as this all sounds, but it, it just shows you. When, when you have a Larry Fitzgerald or, you know, a Doug Baldwin's like this in Seattle, and he's not as good as these guys, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're pretty lucky because most wide receivers, M- Mike Evans like this in Tampa, who's pretty low-key, I mean, most of these diva wide receivers just wear you out. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users Don't visit other leading job sites. LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. 
You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag. Uh, I got a bunch of questions, so I'll, I'll go rapid fire. A little bit shorter podcast. You know, it's Valentine's week, slower week. Uh, we'll have a lot more stuff coming down the down the pipe, but you can always DM me on Instagram at John Middlecoff. Same thing as my Twitter handle, and it's the it's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Middlecoff mailbag. I've always been curious when it comes to the NFL draft. Do teams view a draft where you get one premier player, say a perennial Pro Bowl, Pro Bowler, or where they get three or four average to above average players as a more successful draft? I think any good draft involves three or four solid starters. Obviously, you want a Khalil Mack, an Aaron Donald, a, you know, an Antonio Brown, or something out of the draft. But I think any draft where you can go, I got a starting guard, a starting linebacker, a starting safety, and a second tight end. You know, where you get three or four positions, always better than a one-man band. Now, in a perfect world... Remember Reggie McKenzie won the executive of the year a couple years ago. He drafted Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, and Gabe Jackson. And it was like, damn, you got pro, three pro bowlers. Uh, uh, one couple of them have bounced around the pro bowl, obviously. They're not consistent pro bowlers. But that's, to me, the best thing you can do. Now, if a draft you need a quarterback, if you get your franchise quarterback, everything else is kind of written off. But I, I would imagine if you polled every GM, they would take three or four solid starter. So just because you're a starter, if you're not if they're looking to replace you and you're not a good player, then I wouldn't put you on that level. But if you're like an above average starter and you can start for basically every team in the league, then I think they would always take quantity over one equal in quality. Mailbag question. With first round picks usually hitting at a third at a 33% rate, I thought it was a little higher than that. Would it be terrible if the Raiders gave up their last first-rounder for Antonio Brown, get a known product and possibly go hard in free agency still with three high draft picks, obviously with the other one in the top of the second round. Uh, I, I, I do not think you can trade Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack and then use one of the first-round picks for Antonio Brown. The whole reason you traded those guys was to start over. Then you trade for a guy. He's tr- I, I don't blame you for wanting Antonio Brown. He's a really good player. But to me, part of it was you're starting over. You were basically doing a one-year Sam Hinkie. So you don't you don't band-aid that with a 31-year-old diva wide receiver. So I, I would not support that slash. I, I just think it would set a bad... It, it would just show they had no plan. 
They just kind of did it at a whim. And I think there is a decent chance that that's what happened with this quote-unquote Raiders rebuild. But I would not trade a first-round pick for for Antonio Brown. Now, if you told me they traded pick 27 for Odell Beckham, you got a guy that was 26 years old, I can dig that. But I, I can't trade one of the first-round picks for a guy that's 31 years old. I, and, and I've said over and over, he is a remarkable player. But for the Raiders, who went Sam Hinkie on the season, quit on the season, tried to lose, actively tanked, which we've seen once in the last 10 years in Sashi Brown and the Browns, you can't trade for Antonio Brown. Can you please explain how do teams conduct the quarterback interviews slash assessments? What kind of questions are being asked? What are they doing in the room for a few hours with the quarterback? Well, if you bring a guy in, you have 30 visits during the draft process. You get to go to the combine and you get to interview with your general manager and head coach 60 guys. But you only get 15 minutes. So if you really like a guy, you bring him to your facility and you get him for 24 hours. I used to, my first couple years, um, definitely my first year, I'd pick these guys up at the airport and bring them. Sometimes we go out to dinner. You pick up a couple of assistant coaches, you go to dinner, and you just talk about life. Usually their day is pretty mapped out. They meet with a position coach, they meet with a coordinator, they meet with the head coach, they meet with the GM, and if they are a big-time prospect, sometimes they meet with the owners. I, I think the position coach and the coordinator usually just drill on football. They watch their own scheme, they ask them questions, kind of get a feel for their football knowledge. Same with the head coach. Uh, I think every team is a little different. In my experience, I wouldn't say it's basic, but there's only so much you can ask a guy in a 24-hour period. Part of it is doing your work all year long so you feel comfortable with his knowledge or not with his knowledge because you can only ask him, you know, are you going to waste time on the most basic stuff? He should already know that, right? But some of these guys in the offense they play – you know, we saw it for years with the Gruden quarterback camp. It's pointless drilling him on stuff that he's not going to know if his offense was either a look-at-me offense or just like a number system. You know, the Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, Sean McVay is long verbiage offense. Well, if I'm coming from Oklahoma State or Oklahoma or wherever, my, my play might be 21. That's the play. And if I want to audible, I look at the coach and he gives me the play. So drilling him on that, and seeing, you know, that's what he knows. So I think part of it with a lot of these guys in in the kind of spread era is finding out or feeling comfortable that they're capable to learn because they're going to come in and they're they're not going to have this extensive offense. That's just not the way college works. So I I think it's more figuring out if he is going to be smart enough. So maybe before a guy comes, I've heard this. I don't know if we did this in Philly, but you'd send a guy a playbook. So when he shows up at your facility, you start asking him questions about the things you sent him and seeing if he can retain it. Because you can only ask him so much about what he did if what he did isn't that, you know, extensive or that uh, it parallels the NFL that much. Like Andy Reid, I talked to him about it last year. He, the way they evaluated Mahomes is they siphoned out every quick screen. So any pass that they evaluated him on was past the line of scrimmage. And then it's evaluating the person. Obviously, his character was was high. He was a smart guy. And they felt comfortable. But part of it, there, there's a reason you pay these offensive coaches $7, 8000000 $9 million. There's a reason your coordinators make $2 million in the league. Because you have to coach them up. That, that's a huge element of the NFL 
and a reason that you feel comfortable hiring and paying these coaches so much is they can take a guy and take him to the next level. And that's that to me is coaching, right? Coaching is basically teaching. It's just just football instead of U.S. history, right? You get a guy to learn, and it's hard. I mean, it, it takes the best quarterbacks. It took Matt, Matt Ryan said the year before his MVP, him and Kyle Shanahan were at odds. He struggled with the offense. Smart guys, to me, the cream always rises for smart quarterbacks. And, and it's the opposite. Dumb quarterbacks always get exposed. But I, I, I do think it's a big reason why so many quarterbacks in the NFL miss. Because think how hard that is to truly evaluate a guy's intellectual capacity at 22, 23 years old. It's really difficult. And then knowing that if you draft the guy high, you're going to give him a ton of money. He's going to be so famous. Everyone in town is going to want to hang out with him or sleep with him. There's just an element of unknown that will never be, unless we can look into the future, you'd ever be able to figure out or quantify. It's it's all kind of a guessing game. Now, you can mitigate your risk if you go, God, Drew Brees in college, you know, or Peyton Manning, super high level, smartest guy in the room, straight A student. You go get this high character guy. He's married or whatever. You feel good about it, but I, I think it's all kind of a guessing game. Okay, John. Let's go to my. Do you think the Jets will become a playoff worthy team soon? And if so, how long? It's a good question. We talked about earlier this week. They have some issues with their coaching staff already, and I like their coaching staff. I think Adam Gase, a high level guy. Greg Williams has a long history of kicking ass as a defensive coordinator, but the egos in that coaching staff are huge. Now, if Gase can get to Sam Darnold, and then they can start kicking ass. They have no weapons. Robbie Anderson's not bad. They need to go sign sign Le'Veon Bell, draft a receiver. They, they need help, and they need help bad. Memory serves me correctly. They traded, around their, they traded their second round pick, right, to the Colts last year, so they don't have a second round pick. So they have a high first, but you're not. There's not like a Julio or th- that type player in this draft. So you probably have to go defense. But you're gonna need to draft some offensive guys. You're probably gonna need to sign some offensive guys. To me, the key is gonna be get offensive skill guys, and they don't have any. You have to surround Sam Darnold with a more better offensive skill guys, and then I just think there's a natural, you know, maturation for Sam Darnold being an older player. You know, he's going from his rookie to his second year. So usually there is a huge step when you do that. So I, I'd i say two years, it all goes perfectly. Three years, you know, if this works out. Now, if Gase was a bad hire, it could just be a disaster. I'm a lifelong Bengals fan. It's, uh, but now that Marvin is gone, I'm excited for the reboot of the franchise and praying Zach Taylor can bring us out of NFL purgatory. I know it's a risky move, but what do you make of the hire? And do you think he took the job with the understanding the Bengals move off Andy Dalton this next this season or next. I think he took the job just because they offered him the job. He's a young guy. You don't turn down NFL head coaching jobs. Uh, I, I, all I know of him is the press conference that I watched, and he was really impressive. He was really sharp. Unlike the other guy that was hired from McVay's staff, uh, well, he's not, I guess he was on the Titans staff, LaFleur with the Packers. I was not impressed. I was really impressed. But I got a red flag somewhat on this. He went to the Bengals, and he had obviously all January and then early February because he was in the Super Bowl to kind of put together his staff. He does not have a defensive coordinator. No defensive coordinator. Think about that. He was just turned down by Todd Grantham that feels like he kind of played him for a raise from the University of Florida. 
But it's I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. So if you're listening to this, it's Friday or Saturday. And they don't have a defensive coordinator. That's that's not ideal. It's actually kind of a little bizarre. It's a little weird. And it's not really a good sign. Now, I don't know if that's a Zach Taylor sign or a Mike Brown sign. But th- that's not good. And the Andy Dalton thing, Andy Dalton's played well in this league. So to me, if maybe Zach Taylor can get to him and get him going again. They do have good skill guys still. They always do. And I I think maybe you can resurrect him. He's cheap. He doesn't cost that much money. Uh, I I, I think you just kind of take it as it goes. If he's bad, you can get rid of him next year. But you play with him this year and just kind of see what you got. Hopefully you can resurrect him. Because it wasn't that long ago. I guess it was like three years now. When Hugh Jackson was the offensive coordinator, that Andy Dalton was a legitimate MVP candidate. So we've seen him play well. Now his ceiling is capped, but you can win with that guy if you have a good team and a good offensive mind. So I, 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 maybe I'm a bigger Andy Dalton guy than most, but I'm definitely not writing him off. I was very disappointed this past year by the Monday Night Football broadcast team. Jason Witten is awful, agreed, and looked like a deer in the headlights. He had many awkward exchanges with Tessator. How do broadcasters get rated and how long do we have before Monday Night Football switches up the broadcast team? Also, do you think the broadcast terms drive football game ratings at all, or are they 100% driven by the quality of the matchup? Uh, yeah, it's just, I, I'm a big believer. Not everyone, just because you're famous and a former player, that doesn't mean you're meant for the media. To me, you watch Jason Witten, he just doesn't have the personality. Tony Romo's personality is kind of the opposite, and he's perfect. Jason Witten's just kind of a stiff. He, he'd probably be a better general manager than he would a media personality. Tessator is just too much. It's Monday Night Football. The game speaks for itself. You don't need to be hooting and hollering and screaming and going nuts for every first down. And the Booger thing is just weird. It just doesn't really flow. I don't think Jason Witten and Booger, for being football former players, know know the game that well. They, they never give insight on what the guy was like coming out of college, uh, what his maturation's been since he's been in the league. They don't really know it feels like co- coaches' schemes. They're, they're terrible. They're, they're, it's a god-awful broadcast. Uh, I hope it's not back. I'd be a little shocked if they cut it after one year, but I would expect it to be the broadcast next year. And I, I don't know. I'm not a TV executive. It's, it seems like, uh, from a rating standpoint, the game kind of speaks for itself. Now, that article on the NFL getting taken to Fox, John Madden used to matter. I think there's a rare guy. Maybe he's the last true true broadcaster that really impacted ratings. I think it works a lot more in local ratings. You know, if you have an NBA announcer, you're going to watch the local broadcast over the national broadcast. But I think in football, you're just, if you give us Patriot Chiefs or you give us Jimmy G versus Russell Wilson, we're just going to watch because it's football. Whether I'm calling the game or whether Joe Buck's calling the game, you're going to watch. Now, you might complain, but you're going to watch the game. What are the chances the Cardinals draft Murray and trade Rosen? If they did, could the Dolphins be a potential trade partner? 100%. I don't know what Brian Flores thinks of... uh, Thinks of Josh Rosen, but they're going to need a quarterback. I think it's already been reported that Ryan Tannehill's done, as he should be. He's a glass man. He can't stay healthy. Uh, I also think the Patriots, to me, are, are a prime destination. The Cardinals and the Patriots did a big deal before when the Patriots traded Chandler Jones to the to Arians and Kime. So Belichick trusts Steve Kime, which is a big thing with Belichick. He doesn't just do business with trades like this with anyone because you're not allowed to talk. He, he doesn't do clutch LeBron James leaks, like the Lakers. Like, things do not come out of New England. And they just need a quarterback. A lot of people have hit me up the last couple weeks. What are they going to do? Like, who who's going to be their backup? 
My, my thing is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get they like Brian Hoyer and the stories that came out during the Super Bowl. He was an integral part of their preparation for the Super Bowl, playing Jared Goff and giving the defense looks for that offense. Clearly, it worked because the defense was ready, but he's not good enough. You know, if Brian Hoyer started 16 games next year for the Patriots, probably win nine games just because Belichick's so good, but it'd be a struggle. Uh, he's just, he's not a good enough backup. And you just need a young guy, which they had with Jimmy, but now they no longer have. So I, to me, the Patriots, I could see them even taking a little less just to do a deal with the Patriots. Uh, that If he's not on the team, that would be my guess, that he gets traded to the Patriots. Now, more than likely, he's on the team. Hey, John, uh, love the podcast. <laughs> Same with me. Here's my question. I'm sure the Bills aren't too high on your radar of NFL teams, but which rebuild would you rather be a part of right now, the Jets or the Bills? Obviously, your feelings on Josh Allen or Sam Darnold could swing the choice one way or the other, so assume they turn out to be equals. Okay, let's assume they turn out to be equals, which is hard because Sam Darnold is a better player. I hated Josh Allen coming out of college. He's grown on me. I like the person, high on the character. I I do think there is a chance for him to improve, though some of his big plays this year either came on the ground or like big flash plays. He was not the most accurate quarterback. Now the Bills team is just a lot better. They had two first-round draft picks last year. You know, they got a quarterback, but they got the other guy, the the linebacker. Their defense is just good. Tredavious White, the the corner from LSU, is a really good player. Sean McDermott is just a really good coach. Now, they don't have much. Neither team has any skill guys. So how are these teams going to improve from the skill position? Assuming Shady McCoy is gone. Probably lean the Bills, but I, I like Sam Darnold more than I like Josh Allen. And I, I, I know Adam Gase is pretty good. I know Sean McDermott's good too. But if you told me, you get two above average younger coaches, I'm going to lean with the offensive coach. Now, as I said earlier, I got a little bit red flag on the cohesion right now with Adam Gase and with Greg Williams. But the Bills have had a lot of turnover too. It feels like Sean McDermott's firing a couple coaches every year the last couple years. I, I know he kept the offensive coordinator this year, but I... I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, didn't he fire the offensive line coach this year? He he just he goes through some coaches now. So I, I, I would lean the Jets, but I think it's pretty close. I, I think both these two teams, because of their young quarterbacks and because they both have good young coaches, McDermott's proven a little. Now, I Adam Gase made the playoffs, so both of them have made the playoffs as a wild card and were one and done. So let's just call them equals. Uh, I, I think they're both pretty good. I, I, I would take either one and feel pretty good about it. I'd probably lean the Bills just because they have better players, but I think it's easier two things. To get free agents to come to the Jets, just you're going to go to New York before you go to Buffalo. And two, I just like their quarterback more. So when all else fails, it's hard to assume they're equals because they're not equals. Though, I, I, I won't dispute as a pre-draft Josh Allen hater, he did show me flashes where... I kind of went, damn, I, I kind of like this guy. I'm definitely rooting for him. Uh, so the the Bills are farther along. They're really just, they, they're good on defense too. That's a tough one. I, I think both these two teams, whenever Brady ends, which hell might never happen if he keeps TB12 in and, and, and Kale Smoothie in and avocado ice cream in and Belichick doesn't seem like he's going anywhere, it's going to be hard to win the division. But I think these two teams are light years ahead of Miami. 
Now it's just going to be what team has a better draft. Does Do the Jets land Le'Veon Bell, uh, which I, I think they're going to be in the mix for? Right, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. So my answer is the Bills, but it's also the Jets. I, I think it's kind of a coin flip. I, I think we'll know a lot more after the draft. We'll see free agency and we'll see the draft with these two teams because I think they're kind of neck and neck. Appreciate everyone listening. Another podcast in the books. Hope you guys had a good Valentine's Day. Have a good weekend. Combine's right around the corner. And we'll just keep talking football. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want, and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.